you know, I think what the president needs to do is, frankly, put his big boy pants on. He needs to acknowledge the fact that he lost, and he needs to congratulate the winner. Yes, thank you. Who was that? The mayor of Philadelphia. Well done, Mr. Mayor. Hope the rest of the Democrats well, hear you. I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't I'm still. I'm scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, well done, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, down in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire, on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, up in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Welcome to it. Glad to have you here for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. I may be a little bit punchy, a little bit tired today, (laughs) Desi Doyen, for some odd reason. You and me both. And I guess I need to start here with an apology. Not to you, Desi. Okay. Not yet. We'll see, though. The (laughs) show is young. Uh, I believe I have noted a few times on this show since Election Day, uh, as the Trump campaign and Republicans have been claiming massive uh, systematic fraud in the election, that there actually is no actual evidence of any sort of real, confirmed, broad, systemic election fraud. At least not so far, but it looks like I was wrong. We now actually have the first real confirmed evidence of a broad systemic election fraud scheme in this year's election, according to the uh, evidence published today by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, President Donald Trump's campaign helped recruit volunteers in Wisconsin this week to call supporters in Pennsylvania to urge them to mail in absentee ballots by Friday, even as the president rails against late ballots and the ongoing vote count. Only votes, in case you're unclear on this by now, only votes that were cast or postmarked by Tuesday, Election Day, November uh, 3rd, it was, uh, according to Pennsylvania and federal election laws, only votes that were cast and postmarked by Tuesday are legal. 
under those laws. Trump has described any effort to vote after Tuesday as clear election fraud, and on that point, he would be correct. But that is exactly what Donald Trump's own campaign in Wisconsin apparently is doing at the direction of the Trump campaign. And the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel includes hard evidence to support it. The effort with Wisconsin volunteers appeared to try and take advantage of the delayed vote tally in Pennsylvania, where ballots mailed by Tuesday can still be counted if they arrive by Friday. But they've got to be mailed by Tuesday. Actually, they have to be postmarked by Tuesday. Chris Olmstead, the deputy director for Trump Victory in Wisconsin, on Thursday held a conference call with Trump staffers around Wisconsin. Now, uh, in case there's any Republicans uh, who voted for Donald Trump listening, Thursday comes after Tuesday. That's actually two days after Tuesday. So this conference call, two days after, after the election. election. Yes. Uh, and uh, they told them, uh, the uh, Trump victory team told uh, the volunteers to call voters in Pennsylvania whose absentee ballots had not been returned. Quote, today and for the foreseeable number of days until they decide that they are done counting, we are going to be chasing our absentee ballots over in Pennsylvania. Olmstead told the team, according to audio of the call obtained by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Good afternoon, everybody. Um... I know you were all on the call about an hour ago when we heard from Stepien, Clark, and uh, Miller. Um, certainly good to hear an update from them. Long story short is we're still in this fight, guys. The path to 270 is still uh, realistic, um, and we're still fighting for it. With that being said, uh, the campaign asked us to begin making calls into Pennsylvania. As you all know, we are very much in the thick of a, in the midst of a fight over in Pennsylvania, and the campaign asked for our assistance. They're asking us because we are one of the very best teams in the nation. They're very impressed with what we did, turning out over 200,000 more votes than we did in 2016. And uh, we have showed that we are the kings of making phone calls. So they are asking us to begin making phone calls today to help out with the situation over in Pennsylvania. Um, I know we're going to dig deep. I know we're going to get this thing done because we're all on Team Trump. And, guys, all that matters is that we get to 270. So this is what we can do right now to help this campaign. So Olmstead, I'll turn the floor over to you to uh, go over the details. Thanks, guys. Cool. Um, so you guys should have all gotten an email just before the call that has the script that we will be using as well as um, the link to Pennsylvania's campaign sidekick and a list of usernames and passwords that we should be using to get into their accounts. Just kind of choose anyone. Um, you should be getting volunteers that are willing to. Uh, it's worth mentioning that we are pretty well covered for canvases as of yet. Um, you may hear differently, and that would really just fall on staff. Our canvas is here, so there is no reason that we can't be fighting over in Pennsylvania uh, to make that one a win as well, while we are kind of in limbo and waiting for the ballots to finish being counted. So that's all there. Please start making calls immediately. Um, Pennsylvania is an hour ahead of us, so we will have to stop calling at 8 p.m. But today, uh, for the foreseeable number of days, 
until they decide they are done counting, uh, we're going to be chasing our absentee ballots over in Pennsylvania. So take a look at the script, use those usernames, get into their sidekick, get as many volunteers as you can to do the same, and let's win some Pennsylvania on top of here. So there you go. The Trump campaign itself doing exactly what Donald Trump has been out there complaining that uh, can't be done, that is outrageous, that should, we must stop the voting. He was claiming that people are voting after Election Day. <laughs> Maybe that's where he got the idea. Of course. They accused people of doing what they themselves are doing. They referenced uh, the phone call with Stepien, Clark, and Miller. I'm not sure who Clark is, but Stepien is Bill Stepien. That's the campaign uh, manager for Donald Trump. Uh, I suspect Miller. Is Stephen Miller. No, actually, no? it's probably Jason Miller, uh -huh. who who is the uh, campaign uh, advisor, uh, yeah. advisor and communications guy. Soon after that call, the uh, Journal Sentinel reports at 5.19 p.m. on Thursday, that would be Thursday, November 5, that would be again two days after Election Day, uh, a group called Kenosha for Trump blasted out an email headlined, Volunteers Urgently Needed. And they include the uh, this email in the uh, article here. It says Trump victory urgently needs volunteers to make phone calls to Pennsylvania Trump supporters to return their absentee ballots. These phone calls will help President Trump win the election, the email said. And again, that was uh, an email sent out two days after Election Day. Volunteers were urged to contact a, a couple of field directors who are listed there on the email. The two are actually paid staffers for the Republican Party of Wisconsin. According to filings with the FEC, dozens of Republican staffers in Wisconsin were involved in the operation to recruit volunteers to contact Trump supporters in Pennsylvania, according to one person familiar with the effort, uh, the uh, Journal Sentinel reports. The script Wisconsin callers were given told them to ask voters whether Pennsylvania voters had returned their absentee ballots. But the campaign also encouraged those making calls to tell voters to mail in their absentee ballots after Election Day. Just flat out saying it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's there you go. Uh, officials with the uh, Republican Party of Kenosha County did not respond to calls or emails from the paper for some <laughs> odd reason. To uh, Now, under a ruling by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court that has, for now anyway, been upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court, absentee ballots received by 5 p.m. on Friday after the election can be counted in Pennsylvania. That ruling, however, said that ballots that were received by that point uh, without postmarks or with illegible postmarks will be considered to have been mailed in time, quote, unless a preponderance of the evidence demonstrates that it was mailed after Election Day. So they're presuming if they show up in the mail after Election Day with uh, certainly with a postmark, but even without one, uh, that that uh, that those could be counted. And the um, secretary of state of Pennsylvania has said that those ballots will be segregated in case there's any question about them later. The U.S. Supreme Court decided to not hear that case immediately. They said, we'll consider that after the election. We'll look at that after we decide if those ballots will actually flip the election or not. Now, uh, regarding this effort in Wisconsin, Justin Levitt, a constitutional law professor at Loyola, 
who also used to serve as the uh, uh, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the Civil Rights Division at DOJ. Uh, He's also been a guest on this show over the years. Uh, He said that the email from the Kenosha Group uh, could be the basis for a criminal investigation under the section of federal civil rights law that forbids, quote, conspiracies to encourage illegal voting. Now, all of this said, uh, while the Trump campaign has now filed an emergency petition, I think, was that today they actually filed that, Desi Doyen? I think so. With the uh, U.S. Supreme, with the Republicans stolen U.S. Supreme Court to toss out such ballots entirely, late ballots, even if they are postmarked properly by Election Day. Uh, It does not appear that those late arriving absentee ballots will even be needed. Joe Biden, according to the unofficial counts in Pennsylvania as of Friday morning, has now surpassed Donald Trump in the vote count in the Keystone State. And with all of the mail-in ballots that have been processed and tabulated over the past several days, uh, we have seen that they have all trended heavily towards Joe Biden. And that is true whether these ballots have been uh, counted coming from uh, Democratic or Republican-leaning districts. So it has been clear for several days that Joe Biden was more than likely to win the state of Pennsylvania. And it is now clear that Joe Biden has actually won the state of Pennsylvania. It's also clear as of uh, Friday, even a bit, even if it's a bit closer in the vote count, Still, that Joe Biden has won the state of Georgia as well, where the hard right Republican secretary of state there, Brad Raffensperger, seems to have gotten a little bit ahead of himself on uh, on Friday by declaring that there would be a recount in the state. And while I'm always happy to see recounts, particularly if they are done by hand, Uh, which they likely will not be done in Georgia. They'll probably just run them through the same machines that scanned them the first time, correctly or incorrectly. Uh, It seems to me that Raffensperger may be leaning a bit too forward over his skis in in making this pronouncement that there will be a, a, a recount. A, uh, I looked. I tried to figure out the state law here on this. A secretary of state may declare a recount, but only when there is evidence of some tabulation failure or fraud, um, and only if he is petitioned by one of the candidates to actually have that recount. At least to my knowledge, no such petition has actually been filed. That said... I believe that such a a so-called recount in Georgia would actually end up helping Joe Biden uh, for reasons that I will not bother to explain right now. I'll explain it at another time uh, because the big news here is the news that on Friday I woke up and I expected to see splashed all over the place. But at least as we go to air today is not being splashed anywhere as of this hour. Apparently, uh, the news media nor the Democrats have figured it out yet. But even without Georgia or Arizona or Nevada, all states in which Joe Biden has the lead in the vote count, but where the media have not yet called the race for Joe Biden, even without those three states, Georgia, Arizona and Nevada, With Pennsylvania under his belt, that's 20 electoral votes. Joe Biden, therefore, has 273 electoral votes at this hour. 
at least unofficially, making him what the media would normally call at this point the president-elect. And yet they aren't, at least as of right now. They haven't uh, <clears throat> called officially called uh, Pennsylvania for Joe Biden. They haven't called uh, Georgia yet for Joe Biden. Georgia is maybe arguably a little bit closer, but Pennsylvania is not. For some reason that I don't understand, the media are pulling their punches today. Even more difficult to understand is the fact that Democrats are pulling their punches for reasons that I do not understand. I understand why Fox News would want to do so and, in fact, has reportedly been ordered to do so. But I don't understand what the holdup is for the rest of the media. Here's CNN's Brian Stelter explaining the memo that he is uh, now reporting on regarding Fox News's plans to not call Joe Biden the president-elect today. Two memos obtained by CNN from three different sources all around Fox News say that when Joe Biden reaches that point where he crosses the threshold of 270, uh, Fox will not identify him as the president-elect. Now, Jake, other newsrooms are working through this right now, all preparing for this possibility. And president-elect is the common language that would be used in any situation like this. However, these memos at Fox News say they will stay away from that description. These memos direct Fox stars, anchors, pundits, talk show hosts to avoid language like president-elect because of the president's legal challenges. Of course, these are long-shot legal challenges. You've been talking about this on the air. But Fox is taking these challenges very seriously, showing shocking deference to the president. After 25,000 false and misleading claims from this president, Fox still assumes he's telling the truth. They're promoting voter fraud innuendo. They are denigrating cities like Philadelphia. And they're treating these long shot lawsuits, these toothless suits, like they are serious pursuits. It is, is troubling because Fox's coverage influences tens of millions of people who ultimately are misled, including Jake, the most important view of all, the president of the United States. So there you go. So I get it. I understand why Fox News uh, is is pulling their punch because that's what they do. They're not a news organization. They are a Republican propaganda organization. But the bottom line here is no matter what Fox News wishes to call him by the standards that the media and both parties usually have long used not only has Biden won the state of Pennsylvania, according to the standards they usually use, that gives him more than the 270 electoral votes that he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. And yes, therefore, the new president elect. He does not even need to win Georgia or Arizona or Nevada. And frankly, he's likely to win all three, though, as there's still some question about Arizona. Uh, maybe there'll be a recount in Georgia that'll, mark my words, end up helping Joe Biden. So we'll see there. But Pennsylvania is clear as can be. So why are Democrats not dancing in the street today? Why are they not? Why are they pulling their punches? <laughs> well, I think it is a sign of how degraded our system has been and how much Trump has degraded it, that uh, the media, the corporate media that is not Fox News, is acting like the, you know, battered wife syndrome. They're afraid. Yeah. They're pulling their punches yeah. in advance. They're pre-flinching. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Snap out of it. Snap out of it, Democrats and media. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what's going on. But you know what? Whenever I am really confused about something politically, there's often one person I tend to turn to to help me out. That person 
Heather Digby Parton joins us next because Joe Biden won, people. Snap out of it. What do you need, a call from the Kenosha, Wisconsin Republican Party to let you know? I'm Brad Friedman, and yes, you are listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. <laughs> That's sort of how I feel today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. On the night after Election Day this past week, Josh Marshall of Talking Points Memo wrote a short piece with the title, Folks, let's get it the F together. Though he said something other than F there. Uh, uh, Last night, he wrote, that would be election night, was so harrowing because the whipsaw shifts of electoral trends felt so much like the rapid and doomy collapse of Hillary Clinton's fortunes four years ago. It was wrenching. There's one more failsafe or firewall and then it fades into nothing. The Senate results were super disappointing, too. Unless Dems pull off a miracle in Georgia, Joe Biden will face Mitch McConnell's running the Senate. Court reform will be off. Any significant progressive legislation is probably off the table for two years. That sucks, he writes. But folks, he says, Joe Biden is on the verge of winning the presidency and making Donald Trump only the fourth president to be rejected by the country in a bid for a second term in office in 108 years. Biden will have a decisive popular vote win and his party will maintain control of the House of Representatives. This is a big effing deal. Although, again, he didn't say effing. And ending Trump's presidency is an incredibly important accomplishment for the future of this country. That, he says, is something to savor. It wasn't easy. You may think it should have been. I do, too. But it wasn't. It was really hard. And the Democrats have done it. Yet I look around and I see Democrats crestfallen, racked with self-doubt, falling into their established internecine exchanges of blame and recrimination. He says it's like a festival pity party of self-whomping. Biden and his supporters had one job, get to 270. And they did. Are there challenges, he writes? Absolutely. But saving your country isn't easy. We knew that. It's going to be incredibly hard. There are all sorts of things that happened last night and that have happened over the last four years that I don't understand. Josh Marshall writes, the persistence of Trumpism, its resilience. Is it racism? Yes. Sexism? Yes. Authoritarianism? Yes. But they're all incomplete. We're in the middle of a big politico-cultural transformation that we need to get our arms fully around, but haven't yet. He concludes, I really don't know what 
the two years holds. But I'm certain of one thing. It is and will be immeasurably better than Donald Trump having been reelected to a second term in office. No question. You did that. You owe it to yourselves to get pumped and rejoice in that. It's something to savor. It will help sustain you through endless civic work to come. Well, thank you, Josh Marshall, and I believe he is right. This sort of pity party among Democrats and uh, all all anti-Trump Americans kind of needs to end, in my opinion. Wake the F up, please, as he uh, might say. There is work to be done here if this sinking ship of state is actually to somehow be righted in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. And while I sort of understand the fog of the past several days of uncertainty as votes were and still are being tallied up, it's, it's kind of a lot harder to make sense of it today after Joe Biden has clearly reached the 270 electoral vote mark. As she did on June 16, 2015, the day that Donald Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower to decry Mexicans as rapists and declare his candidacy for president, when almost the entire rest of the media was regarding the entire thing as a joke, suggesting he could never actually become president of the United States, and she and I on this program were decidedly arguing that he absolutely could... Well, we are joined today once again by our longtime friend and colleague Heather Digby Parton to make sense of whatever seems to be going on today and, as importantly, to look forward to what needs to happen tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow after Trump finally realizes that, yes, he has lost and Democrats realize that, yes, they have won, which is shockingly slow in coming as we go to air today on Friday after the numbers show very clearly, short of several amazing computer miscalculations in several different states that would have to happen, that Biden has, in fact, won the presidency and will become the 46th president of the United States. Heather Digby Parton, of course, is known to many as simply Digby and is the mistress of her own domain, if you will, at least at uh, Digby's Hullabaloo blog, as well as a regular columnist at Salon.com and a winner of the coveted Sidney Hillman Prize for Opinion and Analysis Journalism. Good day, Heather, and boy, howdy, am I glad that you're here today on yet <laughs> another day when I may need uh, your help in making sense of things. Well, I think we're on the same page, Brad. Are we? You know, <clears throat> absolutely. I read that, that same piece by, by Josh Marshall, and I've been feeling the same way. It's driving me a little bit crazy, to tell yeah. you the truth. I mean, it's one thing to be despondent the way we were in 2016. Uh, no one could, you know, will beat me for the nightmares and the, you know, the total depression that I mm -hmm. fell into after that result. And it, that was completely understandable. And it was understandable, and I wrote about this this week in, in Salon, um, it, which was the day after the election. I think, I guess it was on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> which was, you know, the, the reason that, that we are in, the, you know, we've been traumatized by, by the Trump years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I really think it's been a national trauma. Mm -hmm. Probably worse for liberals and Democrats than, than, you know, for the other side. They seem to have been having a lot of fun. But for us, it's been really awful. And, and so one of the things I think that makes it so traumatizing is that we cannot, can, we just can't wrap our minds around 
the idea that this many people would vote for a monster like Donald Trump, who would actually admire and respect him and mm-hmm. want him to be president for four more years. We couldn't believe it but in the, in the last time. In 2016, you know, the polls were close. We mm-hmm. should have been aware that it was possible. You and I were certainly aware of it. Mm-hmm. I wrote about it just in the days before the election. Hey, you know, look, these polls are not looking that great. I mean, let's be careful here. But in my heart, emotionally, I just couldn't believe that so many of my fellow Americans would do that. And, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, and, and, and I do, I understand that. I understand that amongst uh, the electorate. I understand that amongst, you know, the, the folks. Uh, Desi, I was giving Desi Doyen hell yesterday about her yeah. PTSD. <laughs> uh, try, you know, trying to say, look, look at the numbers. Is this math? This is science. Joe Biden has got this. And, you know, she was still and, and has been, like I think a lot of people, still saying, eh, yeah, but uh, Trump could do this or Trump could do that. Or the Supreme Court or could do Or the Supreme stuff. Court, right. exactly. And then I guess there's, I understand that. But, you know, the question that I sort of have today as we go to air, again, I said it's a Friday afternoon overnight counting in both Pennsylvania and Georgia, but particularly in Pennsylvania, shows clearly that Joe Biden will win the electoral college votes that he needs to become the next president. Why aren't the networks, the media, why aren't they declaring as much right now? And perhaps more importantly, why haven't the Democrats themselves and Joe Biden done so yet at this point? I, I, I expected to wake up, uh, you know, we're out here on the West Coast. We're three hours behind everything. I expected to, to wake up and find that I missed the moment when, you know, Brian Williams goes on MSNBC and, uh, you know, announces that Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States. None of that has happened yet. What's going on here, Heather? <laughs> well, I wish I knew. Um, I did read one sort of intriguing thing. I think I got found on Twitter somebody said that maybe they, it, it's possible that the networks want Fox to call this first. And that could be for any number of reasons. One, I think this person thought it was because they wanted to give them legitimacy so that they could bring them back into the fold after this, this Trump thing. Other people said no. It would be because they want to be able to point the finger at Fox when the right wing goes crazy over it. Either way, it doesn't make any sense. That's because, not how you run. You know, you're a media outlet. That's not right, how you not, run. Exactly. I mean, and, uh, you know, and I don't know. I mean, maybe they have some of the same thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse them because yeah. I think it's as daft as you do. But it's like, you know, Desi says, you know, well, what about the Supreme Court? And there's all these court cases and things happen. And, you know, we think about 2000 and we think about, you know, Donald Trump winning in the first place and how crazy he's been. And every time we think he can't get any crazier, he does. So exactly. there's this feeling of just kind of, like, you know, oh my, who wants to be the first one to, to go out there and say that it's over when it's not over? I'll say I it. Don't I'll say it. It's over. It's over. Uh, I'll say it. And by the way, I have a, uh, you know, sort of a, a split brain on this because I'm still in the fight for election integrity. And I will go to bat, you know, to make sure that every vote is counted, counted in a way that we that every voter, even Trump voters, perhaps especially Trump voters, can know that it has been counted accurately. So, you know, as an election integrity person, uh, you know, I I never uh, announce, uh, oh, he's uh, the president elect. Oh, he's won this or that. I always couch it by saying the media is claiming this. Right. Um, 
or the the candidate is uh, you know claiming victory, but that's me as an election integrity person. As a uh, on on the political side and on the media side, they do this all the time. They always call races long before the ballots are all counted. Candidates you know declare victory long before the ballots are actually counted. As a matter of fact, let me play this. Republicans absolutely did not win, uh, no matter how you slice it at this point, but they are saying that they did. Here's, right. I mean, here's how the man uh, who would be the Speaker of the House, this is Kevin McCarthy, uh, he'd be the Speaker of the House if Republicans ever win back a House majority. He was talking about it like this on Fox News on Thursday night. President Trump won this election, so everyone who's listening, do not be quiet. Do not be do not be silent about this. We cannot allow this to happen before our very eyes. We unite together. Now, you don't need to be a Republican. You believe in every legal vote needs to count. You believe in the American process. Join together and let's stop this. <laughs> so unbelievable. Uh, they didn't even win by any stretch of the imagination, and they are proclaiming that they did. I mean, where are the Democrats? Am I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. You know, I mean, they. I I don't know. I mean, maybe they're afraid of getting out there and say we win. No, we won. You know. I mean, I don't. I don't even know. I just can we just stop for a second and just just think about what we just what you just played. I mean, we have the president who we know is a complete nutcase, right? Mm-hmm. He came out in the middle of the night on the day after you know the morning after the election mm-hmm. uh, was over and declared victory, and it was it was a grotesque display. I mean, a total. I mean, everything about it, from the fact it was in the White House to the fact that he was, you know, the votes had barely even, they had barely even begun. To, in fact, in some states, they had not started to right. count some of the votes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he declares victory. Okay, that's, that's Donald Trump. And, you know, yes, he's the president, but he, we know he's nuts. What is happening with these Republicans like Kevin McCarthy? I mean, Kevin McCarthy isn't the, the sharpest tool in the shed, but, I mean, can he be that craven? They, that, you know, they come out on Thursday and say after all these votes have been counted and they're still counting and say that Donald Trump won the election when it's patently obvious that he did not and they're going to go around lying. I mean, I, Brad, this is why people are like this. This is why people like Desi and me to some extent are sitting there going, I just, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, <laughs> when he's gone, when he's in the helicopter and they're flying him off, that's when I believe this guy is going to leave because... Because they do stuff like this. That is completely outrageous for the majority is. leader of the House of Representatives to come out and say something like that. Of course. After Lindsey Graham, did, I mean, he was on Fox News last night talking. I mean, this guy's a, you know, he's a powerful senator. He just won re-election. Yeah. He doesn't have to lick Trump's boots anymore. That, you know, that is not no longer necessary. Mm-hmm. He used to be a maverick. You know, he used to be a guy who felt, <laughs> you know confident that he could go out and be his own man yeah he comes out and and basically suggests that they could you, you know completely void the election yeah. in the pennsylvania um yeah, legislature me, and just give the electors to trump let I me mean, play that is, let me play that clip because i don't think uh, if you don't hear it people won't you know believe it and it is far worse even than what <laughs> kevin mccarthy did because he is literally talking about stealing the election by just choosing a different slate of electors than the people actually uh, chose here's uh, hannity and Lindsey Graham, and if you know, if it comes from Hannity, you know that's an official call, essentially coming <laughs> straight course. from the White House. Uh, here's a, a bit of that. You're a lawyer, also, Senator. 
We're hearing yes. report after report. Election law is clear. It is clear that partisan observers can be there for the vote count. They're being denied access. Yeah, right. Now, if that part of the election law is violated, now we also know that the Constitution allows state legislators to serve, you know, they're the ones that would make decisions. Should these Republican lawmakers in Pennsylvania and elsewhere, if there's corruption in the law, it, they don't abide by the law and they don't allow observers in as sure. the law calls for, should they then invalidate this? I think everything should be on the table. So there's the process of observing an election that's being violated. Philadelphia elections are crooked as a snake. Uh, why are they shutting people out? Because they don't want people to see what they're doing. Okay, they are not shutting people out. That's all a lie. That's a lie. Uh, they are not holding out, uh, you know, denying access to observers. That is all a lie and nonsense. And I'm sorry I didn't say that before we played that clip, but that's all a lie. But there he is saying, uh, yeah, everything should be on the table, including electing, a, a choosing a new slate of electors by the uh, state legislature. It's it's unbelievable to me, and I mean, and that that is where the PTSD, you know, kind of kicks in, and you go, maybe the world has really, you know, turned upside down to such an extent that they could get away with this. Now, on my logical side, I do not believe that's the case. I mean, even, you know, I, of course, I didn't believe the Supreme Court would take the case in Bush versus Gore either, but mm -hmm. this is a different situation. You had one state with a separation of votes of 537 votes. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is going to be, if they try to contest this, across a number of states. Donald Trump can't win unless he wins all of the states that have not been formally declared. Mm -hmm. Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. You have to win them all. And all of them, with the exception of North Carolina, are, Biden is winning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, 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 the task at hand there would be to come up with some kind of grand conspiracy that worked across all those states, disparate as they are. You know, there's two in the West, there's yeah. one in the South, there's one in the Northeast. And that they were all somehow doing the same thing and take it to the Supreme Court and have them invalidate the election. I mean, that is, if that were to happen, I think we have bigger problems. Oh, I mean, yes. we, are, we are in oh, deep, yes. deep, 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 you know, you know yep. what. Yep. So, yes. you know, it's not rational to think they can get away with this. Mm -hmm. But it is rational, and I think part of my fear on this is not, I, I mean, and one of the reasons why I sort of agree with, why I agree with Josh Marshall and with you, Brad, in the sense that we should be confident here. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, to, to be fair, I think Biden has come out a number of times, and I think he has sort of exuded this kind of calm, you know, hey, we've got this, everybody just cool your jets sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons for us to do that and to just sort of say, look, we won, we won. Okay, we won. And that's, that's, that's the end of that, that uh, you guys want to go recount, you want to do play your little games, you want to do all this. If you go right ahead, it's not going to change anything. We won. And the reason to do that is because what's happening on the other side is total lunacy. And those people are being egged on by, you know, the President of the United the States, his, his, you know, spawn yeah and um you know the the people even people like kevin mccarthy and they're and they're being ginned up i mean there's a fringe yeah, group there there that's quite that's you know genuinely 
scary mm-hmm. as far as, as potential violence is concerned. Well, We've yes, already seen some. But they're not being answered to, in my opinion. Yes, uh, you know, Republicans are terrible. They're, in fact, many of them, as you note, quite evil. There was a couple of people who were obtained heading towards the uh, to the counting center in Philadelphia, I think, on Friday afternoon with, with guns or something. Yes, they're dangerous people. They're bad people. But you don't roll over and you be and you know be frightened right. of dangerous and bad people. You respond to them. You answer to them. Now, in fairness, as we go to air, Heather Digby Parton, it is uh, as I said Friday afternoon. Joe Biden is set to speak this evening. I think. I don't know what he's going to say. I'm hoping he's going to declare victory, even if I might give him hell for declaring victory before all the votes are counted. But on a political level. That's what he ought to be doing. Yeah. Uh, and and I want to move forward in a second. We'll take a quick break and we'll 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 talk about uh, what you know. We'll sort of move beyond this page to uh, what a Joe Biden presidency might look like. But do you have? You know, like I said, I've been giving Desi trouble about her PTSD. But in reality, do you have any idea, any concerns as far as what Trump actually could do to undermine the results of the election itself at this point? Or is this all just a lot of noise until we move on to the Joe Biden becomes president phase? Yeah, I don't know what Donald Trump is going to do, but I do know that, you know, when they, they apparently, I, I just read this, <laughs> Jared Kushner, um, and I guess it was Mark Meadows, had been out there searching for their James Baker, the great elder that came in in the <laughs> Florida 2000 recount, yeah. and being the sort of voice of, you know, the stentorian voice of, of the Republican Party to lead the effort, and they came up with David Bossie is who they've Oy. got. So I'm not... Yeah super concerned about their ability to do that. Now, I'm, I'm what, hopeful Chris, that... What, Chris Kobach wasn't available? I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. I think Louis Gohmert, he hasn't yeah, been doing much. I right. mean, bring him on out. I mean, yeah. they did have Rudy Giuliani out there, oh, making there a go. complete fool of himself. Yeah. So what that tells me is, and I've actually checked around, because they do have very, very ruthless and competent election lawyers in the Republican Party, and I've been checking to see, you know, are, did they deploy them? Because I thought they had to all these swing states to be ready to, to, to do these things. So, I mean, we've been talking about mm-hmm. this for months, that they were going to contest the election wherever it was close, right? I mean, this isn't news to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they'd sent out all this these lawyers. Well, as it turns out, they do have some, you know, rather, you know, well-respected lawyers in Philadelphia from Jones Day, the, the big law firm. Well, they have and, Thor Hearn. And they have Thor Hearn is, up in Michigan, yeah. who is, you know, but he is an election lawyer. I mean, he's a complete you know, idiot. I mean, and you yeah. know all these guys, yes, too. Yes, of course. Um, and, and, you know, but so they don't really have the A-team, even on the legal side, much less on the PR side. No. So, I mean, this is just sort of, it's almost, it's just like a temper tantrum. And, and yep. it's all over the place. And, in fact, there's all these, these, you know, reports coming out of the White House and the campaign saying, you know, we don't have any talking points. We don't know what we're supposed to say. We're just yep. kind of going, we're seeing what's happening on Fox News and then, you know, going yep. out and spouting it. There so w- I don't. 
I'm not all that worried. You I'm shouldn't not. be. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they're real uh, Republican attorneys. Guys like Ben Ginsburg want nothing to yeah. do with this crap. Yeah. Let me take a quick break, and we will come back with what I had hoped and thought we might be talking about today when I had planned to sort of wake up and see that he had been, Biden had been declared the president-elect and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, what we can actually learn from this election and what we need to look forward to as we move forward into a, uh, a Biden presidency. I'm speaking with the great, the delightful, the awesome Heather Digby Parton. Uh, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Please get on the ball, people. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com speaking with the delightful Heather Digby Parton. All right, uh, Heather, I, you know, I, I am declaring Joe Biden the next president of the United States. Since the media <laughs> and the Democrats themselves don't seem prepared to do that, I'm going to do it here and now, looking at the numbers, looking at the math here at the Brad cast decision desk it's going to be joe biden so it's still very early and there's a lot of guesswork right now uh based on exit polling and and still counting ballots and so forth so we have to see what happens in the uh the two likely u.s senate runoff elections that are likely coming in in january in georgia and there's still an uncalled u.s senate race uh in north carolina uh, but though it doesn't look good, and in Alaska of all places. But what is your takeaway, Heather, uh, from what appears to have happened on November fourth? What is the lesson we should take away from that? Um, I think a lot of you know. For, well, for one thing, just looking back historically, and since the parties have you know sort of realigned, so that they are much more ideologically. Um, you know, distinct, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the Senate is always going to be very, very tough for Democrats just because of the, the structural, you know, inequity in it, in that it is overrepresented by rural conservative states. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was, and I think it's important to sort of remind people, too, that even if we had won uh, all the, you know, say we win Alaska and North Carolina, you know, those, those are not, you know, they're not Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez politicians that right. are going to be coming out of those states. Right. So, you know, you look back at something like uh, Obamacare. Um, you know, we, they had a 60-vote majority. Do you remember how hard yeah. it was yeah. to get that through? Filibuster-proof majority. majority, yeah. The Cornhusker, you know, compromise, Kickback. Kickback, Joe yeah, Lieberman, right. you had all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just saying, for Democrats to get a majority, it means they have to have a bunch of people in, you know, on the conservative side who, by the way, always are a pain 
in the neck <laughs> because they become they are very powerful right they're the fulcrum there on everything depends upon them right and they end up having veto power over a lot of things and i watched that my whole life i mean this is something that i remember going all the way back i mean you go back to the 90s and some guy you know this guy david boren from oklahoma mm-hmm. i mean he stood there and just pranced around what a diva you know oh i'm not quite sure you know i don't know what i'm going to do so I'm just pointing this out just to say that even if you if Democrats have a majority, it's never going to be easy to do sweeping change. Obamacare was kind of a miracle, and they had to put they had to pass that through reconciliation, yeah. even though they had at the time 59 votes. And you know, and at the, you know, we were thinking we're going to get rid of the filibuster, we're going to expand the court and all that stuff, and maybe with a huge majority they would have been able to do it, but that was never in the cards. So I'm not saying that you know it's hopeless or anything like that. I'm just saying that people need to be realistic about the, the U.S. Senate. And, uh, you know, I'm for abolishing it myself. I, I see absolutely no purpose in it. Abolishing no the reason. Senate entirely. Absolutely. Oh, my. Just get okay. rid of it. All I right. see no, it is undemocratic. I see no reason why representation in the Senate should be the same for Alaska as it is for California. You, that makes no sense to me. Democracy is about people, you, not about landmass. Yes, you are a woman of the people, clearly. Uh, Heather, I don't I don't personally uh, buy the idea that we're hearing from uh, some progressives out there that, oh, you know, Bernie Sanders or even Elizabeth Warren would have won in a landslide. No, that's uh, Yeah, but, w- but we are already hearing that from some corners. I don't buy it. I think that folks, it, by the way, it could be true, but I think that folks are just sort of guessing. But there were a lot of uh, progressive initiatives at the same time that were adopted yeah. in unexpected places around the country. $15 minimum wage in Florida, uh, recreational marijuana in about five states. One of them, I think, was Montana. But So uh, do you buy the notion that Dems were just all wrong to run as they did in this election, even though it should be noted that it was the voters who chose Joe Biden? It was not the party. Yeah, and, and, you know, look, this is an art, we, that's another thing we've been talking about my whole life, is this, you know, gee, so-and-so would have won, and, you know, if only they'd have been more progressive, we wouldn't have such a conservative country, has always been the argument. Um, you know, and I, and I, I do think that, you know, those issues are almost always more popular. I mean, it just, it's very unusual that, that you know, you're going to find that, you know, hardcore conservative issues are really more popular among a majority. The problem is, is that, and I think we all know this, and Donald Trump has proved it better than anybody, that a whole lot of politics isn't about issues. And a lot of it is just about, you know, kind of, you know, tribal identity, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sort of, you know, charismatic leaders. I mean, there's a whole, and yeah. I'm not saying issues are irrelevant. Of course not. You know, they're extremely important. They're it, the important thing. But that isn't how politics is, especially in our current sort of, you know, infotainment environment and with the bifurcated, um, you know, but media universes where, you know, you're, you're dealing with like two different, different worlds, mm. essentially. So, you know, I am not surprised. What I think happened, though, with Donald Trump, and, you know, 2018 was, was, you know, although we started off with PTSD on that one, it took us a few days before we realized we'd actually won on that, too. But a, a lot of that was a lot of the people who came out and voted for Democrats in, in these, in these uh, districts that, that Democrats lost this time out, they were voting against Donald Trump. They weren't voting on issues. They were voting. They were sending a message about Donald Trump. They mm-hmm. wanted him to be. To, they wanted to stop on him, and so they voted for Democrats. This time, they got to vote against Demo- 
Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And they're still Republicans. They're people who, you know, they looked at the Republican in the House, the running for the, for the House seat, and they went, well, we'll get rid of Donald Trump, and then, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still, this guy, I like him better than, than that Democrat. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's really that hard to figure out, because the truth is, is that it hadn't, you know, what, when you have these two worlds that people are living in, in which Donald Trump is kind of the, you know, he sucks up every bit of oxygen in both of them, mm-hmm. and we come at them from two different directions. It wasn't, there wasn't a substantial change in the way people really think about the world. You know what I mean? It's like that yeah. we've been in this four-year kind of weird, surreal, you know, atmosphere that didn't really have anything to do with politics. I mean, I kind yeah. of feel like you, you, want, you asked me about what I think is going to happen with Joe Biden, and I think that part is going to be a reset. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to politics in a more familiar way, where we're talking about issues, they're going to start talking about the debt, we're going to talk about health care. It's going to be something a little bit more familiar that way without him, although he's going to try and remain at the center of attention. Of course he and is. he may for a while, because... You know, he's him. Well, of course, uh, and the media still are going to love him, sure. at least for a while. And then hopefully, maybe, it may take a couple of years, but hopefully he'll, you know, join uh, Sarah Palin in whatever shack she is living in somewhere in Alaska <laughs> so we never have <laughs> to, to hear from him again. Together. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, because uh, we got to get out, but... Um, uh, presuming that Democrats are unable to take over the U.S. Senate, uh, how can Joe Biden actually govern with Mitch McConnell obstructing in the Senate and uh, a now very unfriendly U.S. Supreme Court? What should be his tactic in dealing with that? Should he run against uh, McConnell and the Republicans, sort of the way FDR did, uh, you know, with an eye towards uh, 2024, or should he try to work with them, as he suggested that he would magically be able to do during the campaign? Well, uh, you know, I think you you know what I what I think about that. You can't work with him. Mitch McConnell is the Grim Reaper, self-described Grim Reaper. Yeah. He has no intention of being cooperative. He, that's is not what he does, and he will. He hasn't even been being quiet about it. He actually gave an interview in which he said that they were, you know, that he's planning to choose Joe Biden's cabinet for him. Yep. He is not going to allow Joe Biden to have any cabinet members that he doesn't personally think approve of. So, you know, look, that's that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. What we what Joe Biden does have is he has the executive branch of the government, which Donald Trump has shown has a whole lot of power that we never realized quite how much they have if they are willing to wield it. And I don't think he's going to have any any choice. We have crises facing us that are so huge that he has no choice. He has to do whatever. I mean, this is the FDR model here where you've got, you know, we've got this pandemic, we've got this economic crisis, which is, you know, and we're about to hit, you know, I don't even know how bad it's going to be on both counts, but it's going to be awful. And, and, you know, we're dealing with climate change. Time is ticking on that. Yeah. And, there's, and I think even Joe Biden gets that. He's an old guy, but he keeps talking about it in ways <laughs> that make me think somebody has, you know, whispered in his ear, hey, Joe, this is it. You yeah. know, this is the big one. You've got to do it. So, you know, he has tremendous power as the, you know, as the running the executive branch and as the president, and he has the Department of Justice. And, uh, you know, I, I know that he's not going to be in there interfering as president, but I think he can appoint some people. And, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, doesn't know everything, right? I mean, I don't think he knows exactly everybody who is in the Department of Justice or 
that, you know, he can control that entirely. So I'm hoping that what they have recognized is that they have to use, they have to wield that power that they have ruthlessly yeah. and not you know not worry about all this you know well gosh you know two wrongs don't make a right and we really don't want to go there we want to reestablish all the norms and all that no we we can't reestablish norms right now because the Republican party is the same Republican party that you know enabled and collaborated with Donald Trump this whole time and they are not changing as we are seeing they're not changing, and, you know, they're going to have to do this, or else, you know, 2022 will be a bloodbath yep. if they don't. W- wield that power and uh, dare those Republicans to start bitching and complaining um, about it. They will, but just after, go la, 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 well, la, 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 Well, <laughs> after, they, after they all stood by and watched Donald Trump do the exact same thing without making a peep. So if that's the kind of power that the presidency should have, then Joe Biden better damn well use it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we got to get out. And and by the way, uh, initially, my hope was that we could talk uh, today about what we should learn from the now ended Trump era and what to expect You know, will happen with Trumpism as we move forward. But you know what? Apparently, we're not even to that point yet. So <laughs> we will hold that conversation for the hopefully not too distant future. Uh, Heather Digby Parton can be found, of course, at Celeste. Salon.com and at her own blog, Hullabaloo, which is digbysblog.net, and of course on the Twitters at digby56. Always great speaking with you, Heather. We will do it again soon, I promise, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Brad. It was great. You bet. Thank you. Okay, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, boy, oh boy, what a week. Uh, thank you to my producer, Desi Doyen. Uh, And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night or afternoon or your week or month or year with us. It is greatly (laughs) appreciated if you missed any portion of today's show or any other. Download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That uh, is made possible as are uh, Desi and me here on the public airwaves by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. We are 100% listener supported. That's why I can be the snarky jerk that I am. Don't have to worry about anything. Thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I hope to see you there until I see you here next time. And the next time I see you here, please, everyone, people, Joe Biden is the president-elect. He is the next president of the United States, and I hope you people start acting like it. Enjoy yourself. You won that one, at least. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 